My guest today on Mission Impact is Kyla Graham. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. On this podcast, we explore how to make your organization more effective and innovative. We dig into how to build organizational cultures where your work in the world is aligned with how you work together as staff, board members, and volunteers. And all of this for the purpose of creating greater mission impact. Kyla and I talked about why it's important for nonprofit leaders to get comfortable with their organizational numbers and why you have to consider the wider context when you're looking at your organization's financial statements. We also talked about why it's so critical to connect your organizational goals with your financial goals. Welcome, Kyla. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Carol. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm doing well. We're supposed to have rain all day and all day tonight, so it's just an indoor day today. Uh, we have snow, so they are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Outside right now. Yeah, yeah. So I like to start um, each podcast with a question around what drew you to the work that you do? What motivates you and what would you describe as your why? Um, what drew me to the work was, I think I'd like to say it was like the convergence of several things. So I have always been interested in numbers. I'm an accountant. <laughs> it is the thing I do. It's always the thing I've been interested in. And, or I guess more so like the idea of like money, like, ooh, this is a cool thing. Um, and I went from, I was a telegiver. So I'd be the one, hey, Carol, don't you want to donate $500? And I was terrible at it. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> but love learning more about the work nonprofits were doing with that money. And so that led me to say, okay, well, maybe that's where I want to go. Um, and also seeing the idea of Enron, WorldCom, I... <laughs> All of that was happening while I was um, in college. And so I was just like, oh, so this is the thing. Um, and so it really made me more passionate about helping nonprofit leaders get comfortable reading their numbers, asking questions about their numbers, because I just, I was just like, this could be any of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, that comfort level with reading the numbers, just asking questions about them, I feel like very few people go into the nonprofit sector to manage money, right? If, no. if they did, <laughs> they would have got into finance and they would have made a lot more money, right? Yeah. So they, they want to help people. They want to help animals, the environment, some cause. So what do you do to help people get a little bit more comfortable about interacting with the, the money that flows through their organization, the, the numbers that kind of keep track of it? Yeah, I am nosy. So by, I think by nature, I'm kind of like, tell me more about why you did the thing. And so I try to get them back to explaining themselves, um, not from an idea of like, I am committed. I want to know why you went to Starbucks. I actually don't. It makes no difference to me why you went to Starbucks, but I want them to be clear on why they went to Starbucks. I want them to be able to understand that. And so for me, it's being able to say to them, hey, let's go through your chart of accounts. So we do several, like at Synergy, we do several things. We do accounting services where we help them. We do some of that coding. But most of our work, I would say most of our clients are actually in the consulting and education space where we're saying, just talk me through these reports as you read them. And in that way, trying to highlight for them in their own words, what is the thing that works or doesn't work for them in terms of reading the financials? If they're like, 
actually, I have no idea what any of these pages mean. I just know I get it every month and I'm supposed to present it to the board. And so in that way, trying to dig in with them to say, okay, well, tell me what questions the board asks. Tell me what questions you have every month, even though you get these reports. And so trying to help them say, okay, let me put a list together. Or what are the things that come to mind? Because sometimes we just don't know where to start. And I think if we start with like, well, what is the thing that comes up every month whenever I talk to these people? It gives us a good entryway to say like, oh, all right, well, how could I reframe this question? Or what else should I, should I look at to like get an answer to this question? Um, yeah. What would you say are some of the common questions that people have, uh, whether they are comfortable reading the financial statements or not, or don't even know what a chart of accounts is? Yeah, I would say the most common question is, do we have enough money? It's it's really all that all that everyone wants to know is like, is there enough money? And context matters. I like to say it's financial statements don't make a difference if they're not in context or in a relationship to something. And so, well, I don't I don't know if you have enough money. What is your what were you planning on having? So how does this compare to what you budgeted? That might tell us, do you have enough money? Because we can see how far apart you are. Or should we be comparing this to last month if you know like month to month things shouldn't change? And so that's where you're like, hmm, we have a lot less than we did last month. Hmm. We don't have enough. So I'd like to reframe it in that way to say like, well, tell me what it is that you're trying to find out. Uh, because some organizations, it's not about last month. It's more about last year because they're pretty cyclical. And so they're like, same time last year. How did that look? Hmm. This, this is the indicator. And one of the things we've started doing more and more is trying to help clients come up with their own benchmark of how much money per month they should they they have directed as their target i know i like i'm like three to six months makes me feel comfortable but maybe for their organization they're like three that's not it's not a comfort comfortable place um and then trying to say okay if you have a thousand dollars a hundred thousand thousand feels too small for this example a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you know each month you're expecting to spend fifty thousand you have two months worth of cash and so just saying like let's do simple math on this we have this much in the bank we know we expect to spend this much each month. Let's come up with that calculation so they can say, okay, yes, we have enough because two months is comfortable or no, we don't because two months is, is just not. So your, your firm offers accounting services, but you, as you said, you're more in the consulting and coaching and, and you really focus on strategic financial management. Can you say a little bit about kind of what that is and why it's important for organizations? Yeah. So I think of strategic financial management is after the board has identifying some goals um because it makes no sense for me to say like these are your goals if your board is like we actually have a different vision in mind so after your board has identified what the goals are for the next year next three years having a conversation about like well how does that impact our finances so sometimes oftentimes i we see organizations who say like we need to expand our programs we want to be in this many locations or we want to serve this many more people and for me that begs the question of what would it take to get there? Does it take more staffing? Does it take more computers? Does it take, like, what is it? What are the pieces, the tangible pieces that it actually takes to get there? And helping them build out, okay, is that a realistic plan? Because um, sometimes we like to say, we self-included, guilty of being like, I want to do all these amazing things and being like, 
well, what is the budget actually? <laughs> and maybe we should scale back accordingly. And so trying to help them reframe that to say like, okay, if this is the goal, what would it take to build the infrastructure we need to get there? Because sometimes it's not even about we need more people. It's I need computers that don't die on me. <laughs> I need something that's faster, stronger, whatever it is. So I'm really trying to say to them, let's think that through and let's plan ahead. And so if we look at your, you know, if the fundraising goal, we want to raise a million dollars. Okay, cool. Let's look at your current trends to say, how do we manage cash flow so we can think of what are some times we should be, be heavier in the fundraising? Because we know from a cash perspective, we actually need this money to show up today. Um, and saying like, let's plan that three months in advance as opposed to being like, so next week we will not have any money. Um, I don't know who would have known this. Um, and so really trying to say like, let's just take a step back. Let's take, think about all the goals that we have, all the big picture items and make that a, rea a realistic thing. Say like, pencil, <laughs> bank, what, what do you have for me? Um, and I find that that makes it a little bit easier putting that trend together because sometimes organizations don't necessarily have a full development plan. They're just like, I know we need to fundraise. <laughs> and so I just know I have to hit this number. And sometimes I'm really, it's really like, when do you need to hit some of this number though? So do you need to really do an emphasis in the first quarter of the year and say like, okay, in March, I need to be talking to pension donors, submitting all my grant applications that have you know X turnaround time because in June, is where we see a really um, we're short on cash and we want to know we've had those conversations already as opposed to saying i know it's may 31st would you like to write me a check for tomorrow thank you um so that's what i think of as that strategic financial management is helping them see big picture helping them plan out where when do we need to start some of these activities especially if there's not already a plan in place because maybe there are more people involved that we need to <laughs> integrate into this plan and helping them think, oh, that board member, I need to give them like steps to this. It's not just like, oh, you can just fundraise. Um, no, no, they can't. Um, not ne well, not necessarily, maybe they can't. Um, and really saying like, we need to build this out as, a as opposed to just like, this morning I woke up with this really good idea. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about kind of the stepping back and, and seeing the big picture because I feel like in a lot of ways that's the role of consultants for pretty much any aspect of the organization, whether you're working on finance or fundraising or marketing or operations. It's often, you know, let's take a step back. Let's kind of see where we are. Let's, you know, look ahead, look back. Where, you know, where were we a year ago? Um, and just kind of helping people pause and have some perspective on, on what they're doing. Um, you, you talked about how context is really important and obviously every, every organization is a little bit different, but are there some key financial things that board members and, and staff members should really be tracking for the organization? You've mentioned cash as one. Yeah. What other things are really important? I would say looking at the trends of when are there peak seasons in terms of revenue coming in, even if that's not actually cash, it's more the pledges idea. Um, what, what are those timetables? And also on the expense side, what's the timing of things? Because sometimes we, we assume we have to pay for something <laughs> earlier or later, and that's just the piece that causes more stress and angst. And I have, I've worked in the nonprofit environment. I've 
I've been on all sides. I've been the auditor. I've been the auditee. I've been, you know, now in consulting space. And so being able to say, actually, I'm going to call up this vendor and say, can we make this payment on this day? And so really thinking about it to say like, hmm, are there payment arrangements we need to be making? Um, I've, there's one organization we support where their board wants to know about accounts receivable because for them, they want to know, is there someone on here that we have a relationship with that us as a board member, this is the way we could support. And so really thinking if, if pledges is something that your organization does and <laughs> your board members are helping you get those pledges, how do you delegate to them and how can you help them say like, hi, you know, AR is really high and we would love you to, and this is the place that you can think about. They should also be thinking about the relationship um, items have to one another. I, I said I was, I've been in the audit space before and I remember one client we had, well meeting. So there was not any intentional like misdealings or theft, um, but their finance director was so overwhelmed that he was just like, um, I'm just gonna put in a number. I think this is how much we should have. I think revenue should be about here. And so I like to think about what's the relationship between the numbers. So really trying to say like, well, in theory, if our you know, donations went up, we should either see an increase in cash or we should see an increase in accounts receivable. One of those two things should happen. And so really trying to say like, okay, I didn't see an increase. What does that mean? Where, what happened to this magical money that we received? And really trying, thinking through what are those relationships? Same for if our expenses are going up, does that mean we either have a high accounts payable, the people we owe? Do we have a new loan? <laughs> do we have or less cash so a great have you seen the movie all the queen's horses okay it's about um i can't remember what city in illinois but it's about theft and mismanagement and what happened it's, uh, the finance manager for this city a small small town maybe was taking out loans for um and it was said that it was going to be for road repair and all these things, but the people kept running over potholes and sort of seeing, to me, that was a great indicator. You're like, well, if we were getting loans to do repairs, why aren't the streets repaired? Like, right, right. And so just making those, you didn't have to do a math calculation. You didn't have to say like, oh, I need to know how much we, how much we borrowed exactly. But you could say, even if we're not seeing progress, did we see the people outside? Like we all know construction on roads doesn't necessarily feel like it happens fast, but do we see people working? No. Well, what happened to the money? And so just making those types of conclusions or relations to say, I may not be able to do, you know, any fancy math or any quick math, but I can say this number feels like it should go up or down, or I should see we have new hires, or I should see, you know, we've got more supplies in the closet. Something to say like, these things tell us <laughs> that this isn't just a made-up number. Someone isn't just like, ah, that looked like a good amount. Um, it's actually saying like, oh yeah, we got a loan. I see where that loan proceeds went. <laughs> yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. What would you say are some differences uh, in the finances um, for nonprofits that's important for staff members and, and board members to understand? So, you know, different from a for-profit organization? Because a lot of board members, 
you know, they, they and then they may actually be recruited, right, for their <laughs> for their business background. Um, but what are those differences that are important to, to be aware of? Yeah, so the first one that typically tri- trips people up is the name of reports. And so statement of activity for a nonprofit is the income statement for a for-profit business. And so remembering that language is like, what are we doing? It's the activity. How do we make money? We did a thing, we made money or we lost money. So remembering like, oh, what do we, what does that mean? And then the same of financial position is the balance sheet. So it's at a point in time, on this day, we had this much happening. So that is a really easy place that people are just like, I don't really know. <laughs> um, another thing that I think people should be mindful of is the commitments to from donors. So in the for-profit world, we are typically providing a service or providing a product and we can say, hi, I did this thing for you, please pay me. <laughs> and in the nonprofit world, we are really exchanging goodwill. We're saying, would you commit to supporting this mission? And sometimes we say, like, we ask people to co- commit a pledge. And one of the things I like to say is, when should you record it? So like in a for-profit, you'd be like, listen, they said they were, they signed that contract, they're in. <laughs> And in the nonprofit space, you have to say, let's take a step back. If this person was unable to pay, what would our next steps be? If your next steps would be like, we are going to badger them, we are going to make sure we get that money, great, record it. Yes, that is revenue, that is yours. But if you're like, you know what, it's not worth it to lose a relationship, or if you feel like we would lose a relationship over this, and just don't don't record it. Because in essence, you're if you're not going to follow through on it, <laughs> or there's no re- requirement to follow through, you would say, no, that's not it. Um, there are instances you could def- definitely say like, okay, maybe we'll put a little buffer. <laughs> we'll say, maybe we won't collect some of it. Um, and those are things that a for-profit business, so that's a similarity. A for-profit business would be like, I'm going to still invoice you, but here's how much I probably won't get. Um, and a nonprofit, if, in some cases, would say that same thing to say like, we are committed, we are gonna follow up, but we recognize some of this we might just not get. And so being able to say, have some of those conversations say like, are we allowing for any of these pledges? If you have a business background to say like, see these invoices aren't going anywhere, <laughs> should. And I don't know who these people are, so I can't call them. So should we just have a conversation as a whole to say, what is our threshold, what's our risk tolerance so that we can so they can feel like good stewards. That's part of why they came into this. They're like, I've got a business background. I know what it takes to collect some money. And I know sometimes maybe it's just not worth it um, to say like, those are some places that they can really chime in and be a part of and have like an engaged conversation. I think another difference is that trips up everyone, even if they're in the for-profit world, um, becomes the idea of donor restrictions. And what, what does that mean? What do you do? And donor restrictions just means the donor said, you need to use my money to buy, to build a gazebo. You can't use it for anything but this gazebo. And that that's a donor restriction. That is saying well, you can only use it for this thing versus an unrest- something that's not restricted where they're just like, here's some money. If you'd like to buy a gaz- build a gazebo, great. If you wanna pay salaries, also great. <laughs> um, and so being able to say like, well, what, what is that and why does it matter? It matters because more and more we're seeing 
I'm seeing in grant um, documents and donor documents, if you don't spend the money for the specified reason or by the specified time, you need to return the money. And so it's always good to have a handle on, hey, what's money that we <laughs> might either need to spend by a certain time? So there might be a time restriction or a purpose requirement, um, or we might think about, do we have to return this? And should we not count it right now? Those are those are pieces that I feel like are constantly changing and having at least a high level idea of like, how much of this might we need to turn back? <laughs> and how much of this do we have to commit to a cause that in some cases might not be relevant? I say the gazebo because I've seen it. I've seen where people are like, I'm donating $5,000 for a gazebo and then no one else donated money for a gazebo. And so we're like, that is not enough money to build a gazebo. Can you call that donor and see if we can get that money unrestricted? Um, and so those types of things are really good to be monitoring. Yeah, and I think just in terms of those um, grant kind of timelines and, and uh, the time restrictions, it seems like that's something where, you know, if you're running up against it, reaching out to the grant maker and seeing, you know, can this, can, are you flexible on this? Is this, or, you know, do or die uh, yeah. can be helpful, yeah. I mean, I think the other one, uh, the other um, mistake that I've seen people make is to interpret nonprofit as no profit. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and really believing like oh we we can't make any money we can't have anything left over so what what do you, what would you um say about that i try to remind them what would you do in your house if at the end of the month you had no money and then rent was due the next day you that wouldn't be a comfortable place and so thinking of your organization in that way we don't want to go to zero <laughs> every month because the next day a new bill will arrive. And so really thinking of it as you're not hoarding money. You're not there. You're not necessarily saying like, oh, we're just like building our reserves for no reason. Everything has a reason. And identifying that we're building our reserves because we want to launch a new program in three years. And so, no, we're not spending it today, but we know it's going to come up because it's part of our strategic plan. Or thinking through like, our staff gets has to get paid like every every pay period, right? Oh yeah, we should probably have some money in the bank to do that. So reminding them that it's not about a hoarding of resources. It's more about what is the timing of some of the things that we have coming up to complete our mission? And what do we want to make sure that we do? So that it's not a surprise. Um, that's the whole point of having, thinking about how many months of cash do we have is so that you can do the unexpected. And part of some nonprofits is trying to think of better ways to do things. And sometimes that doesn't come with any funding and you have to say, we need to have the money on hand. And so reminding yourself that this is to do something that a funder doesn't yet see the value in, but we do know it's important. And so just reframing that to say like, this isn't an arbitrary number. We're not picking three months for no reason. We're picking it because we're, if something were to happen and we wanted to still provide the services that we do, we would be able to, and our community wouldn't go without because suddenly we we didn't have it. Um, so getting beyond ourselves and beyond like what people might perceive us to do. So I think that's where that comes in. People are like, well, they're gonna see that we have so much money. They will see that you are responsible people and thought to save money for salaries and for program materials. That's great. I would love them to see that you are doing that. Right, right. Yeah, so it's all it's all about what's the purpose and what's yeah. the goal, what's the strategy. We'll be back after this quick break. 
Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. So at the end of each uh, episode, I like to uh, play a little game where I ask a random icebreaker question. So, um, and I have a box of them, so I always put out three before the interview and then pick one. Um, so what's something about you that surprises people when they first hear it? Usually that I'm an accountant. Um, <laughs> say more, say more. That is typically the thing that people are surprised about, which I, I find amusing. Um, more because I, I, I think I get perceived as very, like, personable and like, hi, I want to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, definitely. Um, but I manage it really well. And so <laughs> I'm like, I can do the people thing. And I remember I used to have like a quota. I was like, I've met my word quota. I can't talk to any more people. And so <laughs> um, I think that piece has been the piece that, because I don't tell people, I don't usually tell people like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, that's like a boring conversation starter. Um, <laughs> So it's usually the last thing I share about myself. And so that's typically something people are like, oh, I did not guess that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've met a lot of accountants that did not fit the stereotypical mold of whatever whatever people perceive of uh, yeah. as uh, and and it's great. It's great. Um yeah, and I also I also saw something recently where um somebody described themselves as a social introvert. And I was like, oh, I can relate to that because I get it a lot too. Like, people, are you talking to all, all these people? I'm like, yeah, but then I need to go recover. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Saturdays are typically my day. I'm like, you want me to do things with people? Oh, right. Will they, will they be at my house? No. Oh, absolutely not. I don't know if I can. <laughs> at least if they're coming to my house, I'm like, oh, I can, I can manage this. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm like, mm. So what are you excited about? What's coming up next for you? And kind of what's what's emerging in the work that you're doing? Yeah, so right now we are doing webinars for our online course. Um, so helping nonprofits get more money and greater impact um, by just being more transparent about their financials. Um, and really just digging into like, what does that mean? How does it look? Because people get scared. People get nervous. They're like, I don't know what that, I don't want to do that. I don't know if we should be transparent. And you should. Um, but helping them figure out what that framing looks like and what that means, because we've definitely seen it with our clients that we work with when they've been able to say, this is what we're doing with the money, or this is the thing that you're looking to build. We've been able to, one, identify more resources available because, wow, thank you for telling me what you were going to do. There is money available for that one thing. Um, so that's that piece. And there's also just the idea of there are some donors who just want that level of transparency and they're like, oh, you can tell me that cool, here's some more money. <laughs> um, and so just being able to do that is really exciting. It's been a thing that's been in the works. I'm just like, oh, you mean I have to like do it now? Oh, okay. Um, so the introvert in me is like a, or the introvert and the food lover baker in me is like, I have a slice of cake that is ready. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you're going to do it and then you're going to warm your cake so the caramel is nice and soft and runny. And you're going to be like, look, you finished the thing that you were really worried about. <laughs> So that is what's up on the horizon. So the you mentioned the course. What's the what's the course that you're offering? 
yeah, so we'll, the course itself will be about um, understanding financial management from a non-financial perspective. So we'll go through the first, your mission, your why. Why? Because I feel like if you if you forget when you stray from that, it becomes really hard. You're like, why are we doing this again? And so just recentering your mission is in that conversation about budgets and finances and all of those things. And then thinking about your priorities. So how do we how do we rank the budget? How do we think about the chart of accounts? All those things that indicate what matter to the organization. Then we go on to actually using some tools. And so I don't necessarily need anyone to become a bookkeeper or a QuickBooks expert, but being able to say, all right, I know what a bank reconciliation is and what I should look out for. Um, because again, part of this is managing those people and just being able to say like, hmm, where, where should this be? Or what, how could I reframe that question? Because sometimes it's hard to talk to your bookkeeper or accountant because you're just like, I don't know if we speak the same language. I don't know what they're talking about. And just giving them some tools to help frame that. And then finally, it's about the storytelling. How do we look at the financial statements and rephrase some of the things? How could we show some things differently? So not changing any numbers, but just updating the presentations to something that's more palatable, more understandable for the people who actually need to read them and make decisions based off of them. That sounds great. That sounds like a really, really needed resource uh, for the sector. So thank you for creating that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Carol. I appreciated Kala's point that as a board member, you don't necessarily need to be a financial expert, but you do need to pay attention to when, to when things don't add up. And not just literally the numbers, but when the narrative doesn't match what's in the numbers. When a staff person says donations have increased, but the numbers don't match. Or the story is we've taken out loans for more staff, but no one's being hired. Where's the money going? Often, it's about paying attention and asking hard questions. And it's often because people, as Kyla pointed out, it's often because the people tasked with managing the finances may be in over their heads, not necessarily because anyone is doing any malfeasance. Although, of course, that does happen in the sector, and you certainly don't want to be a board member when the organization gets in the paper for fraud or embezzlement on the part of staff or volunteers. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Kyla, her full bio, the transcript of our conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I'd like to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Kuster of 100 Ninjas for her production support. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you would share it on your favorite social media platform and tag me. We appreciate your getting, helping us get the word out. Until next time, I look forward to speaking with you.